Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right, five-day challenge five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. So in 2020, the world shut down. The world shut down because of COVID right? That's what everybody tells you. They shut, shut down because of COVID. But here's the real reason the world shut down. Politicians shut the world down because of fear. Fear. Not COVID. Fear. That fear put them into a place of paralysis because of liability, because of responsibility, where men in power and women in power did not know what to do. So they hid. It, it's It's crazy to me that in just a few generations, we've gone from facing our enemies to hiding from our enemies. Now, I'm not here to tell you, oh, we should have just done something crazy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. But hiding from the enemy never helps. This is what men do when they're faced with pressure. This is what men do who are weak. Men who don't have character. Men who are forced to come at it from a place of what we call a beta male. The point of this is to remind you, as Teddy Roosevelt, I believe, said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. We don't have to be afraid of COVID. We don't have to be afraid of anything. We don't even have to be afraid of death. No, sure, I don't want to die, but I'm going to die. At some point, I will die. At some point, something will take me off of this planet and I will be done with my purpose. But I live every life as if it's my last fucking day. And I want you to do the same. I don't want you to come into this world because you're so bogged down in fear that you're hiding, that you're living a small, you know, a small life. It's time to play bigger. It's time to up the ante. If you're in fear because your relationship might be over, if you're in fear because your, your money situation might not be the best, and you're hiding and you're cowering, ask yourself, why? What am I really afraid of? And how can I live a life that is no longer playing small, but that is calling me up to a higher place? Guys, it doesn't matter what you are going through. It doesn't matter the circumstances, the situations that are happening around you. It is time for you to wake your ass up. It is time for you to get out and stop playing small. Stop hiding in the weeds. Stop running from responsibility. You know, we've been talking about on our podcast this last last week and this week and the next couple of weeks. It's called a lifestyle of ownership. 
It's time for you to own your shit. Just own it. Just own what is happening. It's not your fault. It's your responsibility. Fault is blame and shame. Responsibility is leadership. That is the difference. I am not saying you're at fault because your relationship sucks. What I am saying is that you are responsible for what you are going to do about it. So you can either today live in fear like the leaders of the last couple of years have been doing, cowering with mandates, cowering with, with all kinds of you know, mask mandates and, and vax mandates and all this shit. Or you could actually confront this thing and be at peace because ultimately peace will help you live long. That strength that comes from a place of joy where it's like, hey, it doesn't matter what happens. I am going to live a great life. I have no idea how many more days I have left on this planet. I plan on living a lot longer and a lot many more years. I'm exercising. I'm doing things to take care of myself. But I have no control. God could take me out tomorrow, today. I have no idea. But what I am going to do is I'm going to enjoy every day of my life. So guys, that can be you. You can enjoy every day of your life if you choose to. it. Choose joy. Choose to live no longer in fear. Choose to play in the bigger story, not in the smaller story that you have been. That's all I got for you today. All right, all right, all right. We are back with our next episode of Empowered AF 2.0. And we're talking about the lifestyle of ownership. Hopefully you guys are liking the new format, the rants that I'm doing, the bourbon moments. I listened to the last bourbon moment and I felt a little cringe that I would admit some of those things, but uh, it's okay. You know, it's part of, uh, it's part of growing. It's part of being transparent, but that was the idea was that we wanted Empowered F 2.0 to be more realistic, to be more transparent, to be more vulnerable about who I am, who, who my coaches are, what we've been through our struggles, because we are no better than you. And that's what we're talking about in this lifestyle of ownership is that we are no better than anyone else. What we have is understanding and we have, uh, you know, the ability to see things in ourselves and then see things in other people and help get that out of them so that they become the best, most powerful versions of themselves. And so last week, we specifically talked about the lifestyle ownership when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to how you communicate, when it comes to your presence, when it comes to your leadership. And we talked about how that affects everything in your marriage and how you show up. Whether your wife wants a, a divorce, whether your wife is just like not talking to you, all of those things you can't control. But what you can control is how you show up. What you can own is how you communicate. What you can own is your presence. You can control whether or not you are happy or you're sad or you're emotional and being a baby and all of those things, all those emotions that come with dealing with a toxic marriage or a marriage that may be on the rocks. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that episode now, probably before you listen to this episode, because honestly, at, at the end of the day, what we want is we want you prepared. We want you sequentially going through this and it'll make more sense as I talk through each of the weeks, the next couple of weeks, um, this week specifically, we're going to be talking about you as a father and we're going to be talking about you as a father and, uh, you, you know, the ownership of being a dad. Um, I think about my kids and I think about how many times I did not lead them well. How many times um, I didn't parent them well? How many times I didn't install the right character or the right habits in them? 
it hurts. But that's the thing, right? Is that our job is not to be perfect as, as fathers. Our job is to own our shit. And so we're going to talk specifically about that. I remember for a long time, I have, I have four kids total and I have three stepchildren as well. So I have seven total, but, but four kids specifically. And I remember the two youngest or the two oldest, excuse me, when they were younger, I spent a lot of time trying to work on business, spent a lot of time trying to make money and, and all these things. I wasn't very present for them. And presence is definitely something I still struggle with many, many times, um, especially when I'm in a problem solving mode where I'm trying to solve something. And, and I remember though feeling guilty because I felt like I had not given them the time and the attention that they deserve. And it really hit me. Um, and so I focused then on the next two, because we had two more uh, years apart. And I said, for these two, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Now, I still have a, a, a really good relationship with the oldest, and I'm working on getting a better relationship with my second oldest. And, and that comes from things that I didn't own with him um, that I need to get better at. But overall, um, I need to be at this place where, where I own my shit with them. And so but the younger two, I really felt like I entered into that place and I entered into a new realm of it. But as, as I grow, I start to realize that, that owning my shit isn't just about mistakes. It's about, it's about owning positives too. And like what you've done positively, right? So when we say own your shit as a lifestyle, we're not talking about just what are you doing wrong, but also what are you doing right? So think about that today. It's like, what are the things you are doing well? Think about how you're showing up with your children right now. Maybe you're in the midst of turmoil, maybe you're not. What are the things that you are doing well? You can own that. And then we'll talk about what are the things you're not doing well, and we can own that as well. So specifically, I'm going to talk about this idea of presence. And presence is powerful. I have a, a podcast I did a long time ago about the power of presence. Go listen to that. It's, uh, it's, in, it's, an, it's in series one. I don't remember what episode. It's probably in the 30s or 40s. Um, when I talk about the power of presence, it was actually a training I did for our Thrive clients. And in there specifically, it was about, it was a short training. It's probably about 12 minutes or so. I talked about how presence is everything when it comes to you being a man, meaning like how you show up, the presence you exude from yourself puts off things. So for example, if your presence is weak and your presence is fearful, your children are going to feed on that. Your children are going to know that their dad is not confident. They're going to know that their dad is weak and that their dad is not strong and their dad is not powerful. What that does is it puts insecurity in your children. For those of you right now who might be going through a separation divorce and you're, you're, you're struggling with those things, if your presence is weak and if your presence is not powerful, your kids are feeling that. So many of you have this idea, this notion that, well, my kids understand or, or my kids don't really know what's going on. No, 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 no. Your kids know what's going on. Your kids know what's going on. You're living in denial more than likely. And that denial is keeping you from doing what you need to do, which is being powerful in your presence. The other thing that we have to focus on is the character that we are reproducing in our children, right? When you think about character, what kind of character are you reproducing in your children? You know, a lot of times guys will be like, well, I say, well, how, what do you want your kids to look like when they grow up? Well, I want them to be successful. I want them to have jobs. I want them to do these things. Great. And those are things that maybe you did. Maybe you were successful. Maybe you had a job. Maybe you went to college. Maybe you whatever. And that's kind of where most men stop is like the basics. 
But like, what are you teaching them about being a man? What, what are you teaching them about showing up when life is hard, especially with right now, if your life is hard, your actions and your presence and how you are showing up, you're reproducing your character in them. If you're lying to yourself, guess what? You're lying to your kids. If you're lying to your kids, guess what they're going to do? They're going to lie to themselves and they're going to lie to other people, right? If you are reproducing that character in them, that's how they're going to show up. And the final piece of this is fun. Are you having fun with your children? Are you having them in a place where it's not just about right and wrong do's and don'ts, but you're also having fun with them. Um, one of the biggest things that, that I have is my own uh, thing is that if one of my children says to me, I want to play with you, I want to throw a ball with you. Will you play tea with me? Will you do whatever? It doesn't matter what I am doing. I will say yes. I will never say no. The only time I will say no is if I literally, it's like a life or death situation, or I'm literally like an emergency thing, or there's some, like, I have to go to work, or I have to do something. And I'll say, hey, look, I cannot do it right this second because of this. But as soon as I get home, or as soon as I have that free moment, we will do this. And that is a principle or a value of mine that I put into my place that is healthy. Um, the other day I was I was uh, doing some notes. I'd gotten this new uh, journal and I was working on the journal and my son, it was a Saturday and I was like, just kind of in the mindset of like, man, I just want to process, you know, like my, my work days during the week are so busy. I'm constantly, you know, client stuff and, and our teams and, you know, coaching staff and all these things that are happening. I don't usually get time for myself during the week to really focus on things. And so that Saturday kids were playing outside and I was like, man, I just want to, you know, do this. I just want to do these things or whatever. And um, he comes in and he's like, Hey, can we play catch? And my first reaction to my myself was like, man, I really wanted to do this journal thing, but I'm like, Nope, that's not the, that's not the agreement we made. Mark, the agreement we made is that if your son asks you to play catch, you will go play catch. And it's because something that I remember my dad growing up, that was something that we did together. And it was contentious. There was always a, a fight around it. There was always, he was trying to live his uh, try to get his validation out of my success as a baseball player or my success as a, as a, as an athlete. And I refused to be that for my son. So I was like, absolutely, let's go. So I put down what I was doing and I went outside and we played catch. And then, you know, he's getting ready to play ball for the first time. He's going to be 10. And um, I didn't put him in peewee leagues and any of those things. I let all of my kids decide whether or not they want to play sports. Um, you know, my daughter early on showed promise and she wanted to do things and we put her in things. She wanted to play soccer. I think she played soccer one year, but I, no, I was actually, my other son played soccer one year and played flag football, but I never forced my kids to do, uh, those things. Never, never made them, um, you know, do that kind of stuff. Uh, I always let them come. And so he started developing his own, you know, desire around playing baseball and he's, we're getting ready to, to play baseball. And last night when I was tucking him in, I said, said, Hey buddy, you, you excited to play? And he's like, yeah, I was like, cool. I was like, I want you to know something. I said, no matter what happens, no matter how great you are, no matter how bad you might be, no matter if you strike out or you don't do so well, or you don't catch a fly ball, I am still going to love you because you are important to me. We're going to play this game and we're going to do it competitively. We're going to try to win, but you are more important than those wins. And I want you to understand that never feel bad if you don't do well, because I'm going to love you regardless. And I, as I said it to him, 
it just felt powerful. I mean, I was tucking him in, I was looking him in the eyes and saying that to him in a loving father way. This is me owning my shit with my son. This is me taking what harm had been done to me in the past. And instead of passing it on to him in a negative way, or even making it an extreme way, like, oh, you don't have to win or you don't have to, you know, those things. No, I'm like, hey, we're going to be competitive. We're still going to do those things. But you need to know that I love you regardless. And that no matter what happens, I will love you. And I know he believed me. He took that in. He received it. We did our five-minute hug or however many minutes it is. And, and um, he's excited. And guys, it's an, I want to encourage you with this today. is because you can own your shit with your kids by reframing and by taking the pain of your past from how your father treated you and restructuring it for your own kids. What I learned from my dad was it's okay to be competitive. What I learned that was wrong from him was that my value came from whether I was successful or not. And I've had to learn over the years that my value has nothing to do with what I do, has nothing to do with my success or not. It has everything to do with who I am. And now as a father, I pass that on to them because as a young man or a younger father, I wasn't that. And I never tried passing on them those identity things, but I definitely didn't know who I was. And I definitely had a, a jacked up identity that needed to be fixed. And so as I've worked on that and done that work, I've owned it with them. And there have even been already been times with my teenagers where I say, hey, look, there were times when you were younger and I would talk about money or I would do these things. And, and I, I need you to know that that was wrong. It was wrong of me to, to position it that way, to make you feel something that wasn't totally true or totally accurate because I was living from my place of fear. So here's my, here's my three questions for you today as you contemplate owning your shit with your kids, specifically around you as a father. Number one, how present are you? This is something I constantly have to work on and constantly have to get better at. How present are you with your kids? Are you emotionally present? I mean, start with the simple things. One of the things that my daughter asked of me um, and she came to me and said, hey, look, I have a problem with our relationship and here's what it is. One of the things she said to me was like, I need physical touch and I want you to hug me more. And she's 16 and you've heard her. She's been on this podcast before. She's a very articulate young lady. And she was afraid to ask me that because fear, rejection, right? She didn't know how I'd respond to that. I said, absolutely. And so now a habit of mine is being present enough to know that I need to hug her at least multiple times a day. So if I'm going anywhere and I see her, I grab her and I hug her. When she comes in, sometimes I'll grab her and I hug her. When I'm going to bed, I will grab her and I hug her. I don't tuck her in anymore. You know, I don't say goodnight to her like I used to when she was a little girl. I don't sing songs to her and all that stuff anymore. She's almost a grown woman. But she required of me my physical presence. And I have to be emotionally present to remember that I need to do this because this is something that fills her cup. This is something that makes her feel good. With my um, youngest son, what he needs is also physical touch for me, but he also needs presence with me. And so I made a thing where I used to only tuck him in like a couple times a night and, and I was just in such a bad habit of that. Like I wouldn't even, I just too many kids, too many things, too many distractions, or I'm playing games or I'm watching TV or whatever. It's like, good night, buddy. You know, you know, as they get older, you stop doing those things that you were doing. And I said, no, I'm going to make a habit of trying to do it three times a week. And then it got to a place where it was every single night. So every single night, as long as I'm home, I'm not traveling or whatever. 
I literally come to his room and I spend, you know, five to 10 minutes, depends. Sometimes it's a quick one, but I, I will say goodnight. He holds me. I hold him. And literally you can feel the anxiety and just anxiousness falling and melting off of him. Because when your son or your daughter feels that masculine presence, they feel safe and secure. And many of you men don't even know what that's like. You don't even know how to give that back. I made myself open to other men to healthily receive it, not in a a funky way, not in a homosexual way, but just in a way to where I would receive that from other men, which now I'm able to then give to my son. Men, it's okay to hug each other. It's okay to love on each other in a uh, non-sexual way. I know we like to, you know, homophobic, you know, homophobia thing it or homosexualize it or sexualize it or whatever. You don't have to do that. You can hug other men in a healthy way, in a loving way. And that embrace is strong. And when you take that embrace, then your children and you just hold them, they feel secure. They feel safe. And that's what my son feels because I'm present with him. The second question is what character are you replicating in them? You know, how you're showing up in your marriage, how you're showing up at your job, how you're showing up when life is hitting you, how you're showing up with politics and the TV. And are you yelling at Sean Hannity? Are you yelling at CNN? Are you yelling at the TV because of, because of coronavirus or whatever, like how you're showing up there, you're replicating, are you replicating that character in them? Because you are, it doesn't matter if you don't, you know, if you say one thing, but you do another, you're still going to replicate the thing that you do because people, children copy how their parents act, not what they say. It can't be a do as I say, not as I do type of scenario, right? So you have to be intentional about the character that you want in them. So let's think about it and go, okay, what are the character traits that I want inside of my children? For my son, when I was, when I was talking to him about how I viewed his baseball, number one, I was putting into him the character I have, which is that, hey, I love you regardless if you win or not. I want him to receive that for himself, but guess what? When he gets older and he has a son, I want him to put that in his son, right? And then that son puts it into that son. And then that son and on and on and on generation, generation. You don't have to allow the last 20 generations to affect the future generations. You can stop it right here if you choose to. And so thinking about what are the character traits that I want my kids to have? Is it, you know, honor? Is it you know, uh, integrity, like what are those values that you have and are, am I living those values? You know, it's not, it's not enough for you to go, wow, man, I'd love for my kids to be honorable, but yet you treat, treat their mom like shit, or you're not honoring your own self, or maybe you want your kids to be healthy, but you're not living healthy. Maybe you don't want your kids to be, um, you know, overweight and stuff, but you're overweight. Like, what do you need to change about you? This is the owning your shit part. I can't expect my kids to live a healthy life if I'm constantly just eating crap all the time and not working out and not doing those things and expect them to go to the gym. They're never going to go to the gym. They're never going to develop that kind of character habit. It won't happen. Some may be because they just get tired of it or they don't want to live like you do. And then maybe they're embarrassed by you. But if you ultimately want them to be healthy, you've got to live healthy. So ask yourself that, where am I not living healthy? Where am I not living the character that I want to replicate into them? And then the final question is, how much fun am I having with them? Are you having fun with them? Or is everything serious? Is everything tragic and toxic and drama? Or are you having fun? 
go find things you can do with them to have fun. Ride bikes, take them to the park, do things with them. Life can be overwhelming. I, I know. And I, this is another struggle of mine, having fun with them. I don't have enough fun with them and I want to, and I'm putting it out there saying, I'm going to have more fun with them. I'm going to keep myself accountable and I'll have my, my team keep me accountable to that or my wife keep me accountable to that. I want to have more fun with them. That looks like taking them to the park. That looks like spending time with them, you know, doing things that are not things that I want to do necessarily, but things that they want to do where they get to control the outcome. One of the craziest social experiments I ever saw, uh, it was in psychology class, I believe, or sociology, I can't remember what it was. And it was this, this concept where the, the, you know, this, psychologists or whatever, they took people where the the father or mother had, had abused the child and they wanted to repair the relationship. And so what they did was they they made the adult go into a, a sort of a, a laboratory, if you will. And the laboratory was was really like a toy room, right? So it looked like a toy room. So the adult went into the toy room, the child went into the toy room and they told the, the adult, they said, you must do whatever the child wants you to do for the next 30 minutes. You cannot tell them, oh, let's play with this or whatever. You can only play with and you can only do what they tell you to do. And it was hard for those people because they were so used to being in control. And this became an opportunity for them to play. Having fun with your children is probably one of the most beneficial things you can do for them and for you. Because number one, it laughter and joy is good for the heart. It's good for the soul. Number two, it brings a bond with each other. When you have fun together, they remember that. They remember their dad being silly or, or playing ball with them or going to the park with them or doing those things. But while you're doing it, be present. Be present. Super important. Guys, that's all I've got for you today. Hopefully that was impactful. We talked about owning our shit in our marriage last week. We talked about owning our shit as a father this week. Next week, we're going to talk about owning your shit as a man. And then after that, as a leader and as a producer, I'm excited. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for the bourbon moment in the last Q&A or the, uh, the, the Q&A after the bourbon moment uh, before we outro for the week. I'll see you next time. Welcome to the bourbon moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truth. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Dude, I have a tattoo a on my chest. Yeah, you have a tattoo on your chest. Yep. <laughs> but it's like a lion ripping through and it says, empowered man. <laughs> I like wake up. Why am I in yeah. such chest pain? What is, did I have a heart attack last night? It's just a bunch oh, of saran wrap over you. You're shaved completely. <laughs> That's a lot of shaving to do. Yeah, they have to. They have to say the empowered man, too. And can't you say empowered man? It's got to say the empowered man. The empowered man. Empowered man. And then you have like a number on your back. Like a jersey. Number yeah, one. Number, number one. one. Number, number one. <laughs> number one of what? Of like You're just number one. one. Empowered man. You need You're number, number one. one on. It's like when I when I did my EKG a couple weeks ago, I had all those stickers on me, and I'm like, oh, she's dude. like, "Good luck getting those off now." I'm like, oh, "Fucking hair is like pulling off." I mean, Mark, you're the only one without tattoos, and especially chest tattoos now. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> At this point, I am. You are. I am. Just go all or nothing. The first tattoo I ever got, I got three in a day. What? 
Yeah. My thighs and my calf on the side, I got them all on the same day. That's why my right thigh isn't finished. I wanted to look tough in front of my dad because he got his first tattoo with me. I was like, oh, what can I do? I want all three of these tattoos in a day. And by the time they got to my right thigh, dude, my skin was bleeding just from them, like spreading it. It was bad. See, that's, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know if I'm ready to bleed. Well, just don't get three. Yeah. <laughs> get one. My, I, mean, I have a feeling, you know, the, the thing now is, is parents are getting tattoos with their kids, like on their 18th birthday. And so mm-hmm. my daughter's like chomping at the bit to get a tattoo. And it's kind of like, when I'm 18, I'm going to get a tattoo, which probably is going to mean I'm going to have to get one with her on that day. But we'll see. She's been trying to get one since she was 15. I'm like, hell no, you're not getting one at 15. You better be 18 to make your decision for yourself because I'm not going to be punished with that shit. So that's a big decision. My dad went with me. Yeah. Once it starts, too. I mean, my back is like this big and then my arm and then now... (laughs) Yeah, I know. I forget how much you actually have on, like the full sleeve, because I don't always see your, you know, your arms or whatever. So I got full sleeve here, three quarters here, and then I just got the full chest on. So, so. you actually have to shave though, right? All of that? Yeah. So you, yeah, see, okay. See, that's, that's, this is a big problem for me because especially since, and we'll be talking about testosterone and shit, but since I got all the testosterone going on, there's, there's a lot of hair on this arm now uh-huh. that is here in chest and back, et cetera, that mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to have to shave. Man, yeah. Do you wax or shave? No, I, I personally shave every two days. Oh, my God. Every two days. It's like, so easy with the shaver. Just Yeah. You know what I thought? There's a, um, I saw one recently where they basically take the, the shaver and it's like a, an extension and it's like, and it like does this whole thing. I'm like, that's Andrew. Cause he had like his body was like your body, you know, like in terms of like the, he had tattoos or something. I was like, Oh my God, that looks like Andrew. I just couldn't yeah, imagine I, that. I, I didn't shave for a long time. My arms, but then once I got tattoos, like, and a lot of people I know that have tattoos don't shave their arms or yeah. legs. They have them. I personally, like, I got these to show them off because I'm proud of them. I'm proud of my artists that did them. I'm proud of what they mean. They're all for my kids and my family. So, like, I want to show them off. And if you're going to be able to see them the clearest, I personally feel like we shave it. So, it is what it is. So, I feel about my chest. I also hate when hair, like, snags on things. It bothers me. Yeah, me too. So, when I was in high school, I shaved, and my penance now is a fucking hairy chest. Like, <laughs> Because. I remember when I had three hairs. I remember the first hair. <laughs> How little Joey hair? hairs. Yeah. I remember. I remember. I was like, "Oh, there's one. Now there's three, and now there's way more than three. He was that kid going up, "Mom, mom, there's hair down there." Yeah, I was. I was. And I remember when my peach fuzz came. I was like, "Look, mom, I got it." Yeah. Kind of like my little brother does now. Twelve, my face. Jeez. I mean, I, that Jewish heritage, you know, yeah. is a very heritage. So I started shaving my face. And then I remember, like, I had full chest hair, I think, by the time I was, like, 16, 17. And, like, you're the only one. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, what do I do? And personally, I'm not a big fan of it. So I started shaving it. Now they make some nice things like Manscaped, the lawnmower. Yep. Use it. Uh, Manscaped lawnmower. It's all about it. <laughs> we need to get an affiliate program with Manscaper. Yeah, we could. Hey, Manscaped. 
You got three guys right here using you. Let's go. Let's right. I, the next I, episode. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped. <laughs> Dude, I would do a whole bit for Manscaped. See, okay. So my problem with Manscaped, and so I'm just being honest here. I, I can't quite get underneath the balls. Like I can do it, but like I got the new one. I got the Landscaper 3.0 because mm-hmm. I, ha- I had the original. Then I, up, I could, it couldn't work or some shit. So I bought it again this year. And like I struggle with going over the ball. Like I've nicked myself so many times now it and it's snag. supposed to be Nicholas. Yeah. Right? It still snags. It does snag. It pulls. It pulls, it snags, it, it cuts, it hurts. Dude, it, it makes me that. make a face. I'm like, really? Yes. Yeah, dude. I have not yes. had that issue. Well, I don't, that's, that's my only issue. Cause like in the front, it's easy to shave that shit. You pull mm-hmm. the shaft up, you can do it like that. It's still weird as hell if your wife walks in and you're like, hey, <laughs> holding your dick. Hey, oh, maybe, that's, maybe that's the issue. Just lie down and have Amy, you know? Oh, shit. <laughs> So what I I actually do in the shower now, because it seems to be like easier to do it there before I was doing it in the bathroom. And I'm like, I got my my leg propped up and I'm like, (laughs) can you imagine Mark pulls a muscle, his legs like all the way up on the counter. He's like, ah, dude, it could happen. It's like, like, I'm like, fuck, what happened? Shit. I was shaving my nuts. (laughs) That's not a bad reason. That would, that would make a good bit. If we were to make a commercial for them, that's the bit shaving shaving and, and all of a sudden throwing yeah. off a you like th- you pull a muscle pull a muscle and okay it's pull the glute issue. and then what and what's oh the- man after that after you pull the muscle you come back down you limp out and you go to your wife and like one of it could be one of us dressed up like <laughs> oh yes what do you need my help with this this feels like it's a ploy to get a blowjob like i well, feel no. like I feel like I mean, that's, that's where your mind here. goes. But then like, as you're shaving, it like slowly comes in. It's like, and then it turns and it's this manscape for him and for her pleasure. <laughs> Use code empowered at the checkout for 25% off. If manscape uses this, they have to pay us. So if you don't know what manscape is, it is a shaving tool to shave your balls and your dick so that it's hairless. Like when you were a 10 year old boy, mm-hmm. as much as possible. Uh, the benefits of it are skin to skin sex, which feels better. Um, your wife or girlfriend might want to go down more frequently. And honestly, it just feels better. You feel more flowy. You actually, it actually, for me, it actually increases erections. I get more erections, uh, wearing, especially because the type of boxers I wear. So it's like, it just, I don't know. It just feels, I feel stronger. I don't know. Well, it also makes it look bigger. It does. It does. But that's also the testosterone. (laughs) Yo, for real. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've grown a little bit. I don't need those African guys giving me shit anymore. <laughs> right? Like shit. Like all of a sudden, really like, does hey, make I'm not bad. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week. All right, it's Q&A time, and I've got a great question about sex, actually. Love it. When your wife isn't passionate or excited and gives you sex, but it feels like she's just doing you a favor, like a chore, takes her clothes off, lets you use her body, no kissing, no noises, just lets you go. Has been like this since our relationship has been struggling. It's not great at all. Should I take a break from sex? If so, for how long? So thank you, Jeremy, for this question. Um I would say that if your marriage is struggling and your wife is not responding sexually, there is a lack of emotional connection there. 
and she's allowing you to just get your needs met. Um, I know for most men, including myself, that would be really, really hard um, because that's not a way for me to feel loved and accepted and valued and appreciated. So what I would say is sex probably needs to come off the table for a period of time so that you can address the actual core issues in the relationship. Honey, it feels like to me that sex has become a chore. It hurts my feelings that you're not able to enjoy sex in the manner that that we used to. I'd like to have a discussion about that. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feelings about it without any judgment or without me condemning you or coming against you in any way. Like having open dialogue about these things are so important. Um, so many of you just get hurt, get offended, and don't actually want to hear what's going on with her that would cause her to not want to have sex with you, that would cause her to not want to uh, be in a sexual relationship with you. So I think it's important that, yes, you pause from sex for a minute and really have that that open dialogue about what's going on, what's coming up for her, what are the feelings that are attached to this, um, does she feel like I'm using her? Because if that's happening, then you're just having transactional sex, which transactional sex is, is not healthy sex. It's not um, sex that leads to long-lasting intimacy. So I definitely would pause and I definitely would have the conversation, go use the words that I just said and uh, try that out. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.